Hello, I'm Bo Huang, CFA, and welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals all about issues, interests, and insights in today's profession. In this episode, we'll be talking to Vito Menza, Managing Director and Assistant Portfolio Manager at Sandler Capital Management in New York, asking about his and Sandler's approach of investing in long-short equities and how they adapted their portfolio risk with elevated market volatility during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks, Vito, for joining us today. Thanks, Bo. It's really an honor to be asked and to speak with um, such a distinguished crowd as your CFA crowd is, so I appreciate it. Vito, you joined Sandler Capital in 2006 and has served as Assistant Portfolio Manager for Sandler's long-short equity strategy since 2010. You're responsible for researching and generating new equity ideas across multiple sectors, combining fundamental and technical analysis, and pulling information from a number of sources, including macroeconomy. In your view, how COVID-19 crisis was different from GFC in 2008, given the speedy spread of the COVID-19 new cases and the market volatility in February and March, what kind of indicators helped you to position your portfolio to have a decorrelated performance so far this year? Sure. So let's take that in, uh, in two parts. Um, the first one is, you know, this was not like anything any uh, investment professional has seen. Um, obviously, there are some similarities people like to make with the Spanish flu, but even that was a lot different given what was going on with the war back then. So really, you know, I think the key was and remains to be flexible, nimble, uh, and to not get too ingrained in any one view. The biggest difference between this and the global financial crisis as it unfolded um, was the global financial crisis. You were sort of able to see the storm clouds building on the horizon uh, months ahead of time. And it was, it started with an orderly breakdown of portions of the high yield market. It started to spread beyond that. Obviously, housing were the seeds for that. And so you had more time to react and watch the credit markets. This time around, um, uh, it was almost like a midair collision, right? Two airplanes in, in midair uh, hitting, and there wasn't much lead time. Um, that said, uh, there were some characteristics of this that played out very similar to other crises, even though it was very, very condensed. Uh, so you asked me, the second part of your question was, I think, um, how what indicators we watched and uh, were able to help us in, in how to lean the portfolio, uh, to lean that short in certain, in certain spaces. And really, you know, it was at first, it was news flow, and it was watching news flow of virus case spread and really monitoring that closely which was very different than the global financial crisis. It was reacting to that news flow and then following its spread. But the most important part, which is the same thing that happened in the global financial crisis, when we started to see uh, credit markets come under pressure, capital markets really, really getting pressured, companies' cost of capital uh, really beginning to widen dramatically, that's when we gained confidence uh, in, in pressing a lot of our, a lot of our short positions uh, to take advantage of that dislocation. And some of it was a couple days lead time. Some of it was happening in real time. Um, but again, using those signals were very advantageous. Can you give us a sense about how quickly did you react to this and, and how quickly did you change your growth and net exposures compared to the end of last year? Sure. So, you know, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that we were somewhat cautious coming into this year. And... Um, 
you know, our, our net and gross exposure, we have a variable net and gross bias, and we were sitting net long, uh, but, but below our average. And, and part of this was a thought process uh, that Andrew and I had that, you know, look, this was before, obviously, the COVID crisis. But, um, you know, given where central bank policy was at the time, uh, given sort of what the market we thought was pricing in, and most importantly, given what we saw in credit markets, uh, which was not leaving a lot of room for error, and there was a lot of optimism built in uh, uh, and, and, and going into an election year, which, produced, which can produce a whole other set of uncertainties for businesses. So we just didn't see a lot of margin for error, uh, although we didn't put our finger in um, that it was going to be a pandemic that did this. Um, that said, when we started to see the, the pandemic start in China, like I mentioned, uh, we started to follow the news flow. And at first, it was just a, a very China-centric problem that caused a lot of supply chain disruptions. And so our first set of sort of shorting that we did related to this was to increase shorts and start new shorts in areas of uh, companies whose supply chain we thought could be disrupted and that who wouldn't get it back. So think of your fashion and apparel suppliers, maybe perhaps jewelry and watch manufacturers, um, anywhere where the sourcing chain was going to be disrupted and or they would be disrupted by, by parts of China travel. Then as we started to see the virus begin to spread outside of China, uh, and, and we realized this was going to be uh, at least a fear, uh, not only uh, in, in, in Europe, but also in, in parts of North America, we started to purge uh, some of our longs that we had in areas of consumer experience. So we were long certain airlines, um, long uh, some hotel stocks, uh, long some concert, a concert name, and you know just wanted to make sure we purged those positions from the portfolio. Uh, and we actually started to bring in some of them on the short side. Think about casinos, think about cruise lines, where we really thought the problem, the fear was gonna be centered. Then as the fear started to turn into reality, uh, and as it's, so that's when the portfolio got down into that net neutral category to, to slightly net short. And as we started to see that fear turn into capital market disruption and capital market uh, uh, problems, you know, again, focusing on the credit markets primarily, that's when we realized uh, this was going to be a much bigger issue. And the portfolio really started to be pressed uh, net short. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we, we gained comfort in that. Okay. As that started to unfold. Okay, maybe it's worth also of you talking a little bit about your winning themes on both the long and short sides. Sure. Um, so, a, a li- you know, some of this, the way we viewed this pandemic, there are parts of it um, that really amplified existing secular trends that we saw in the economy. And so, if you're thinking about, you know, some of our themes that we had on before, we actually had on a life science tool discovery theme focused around primarily biologics uh, and regenerative medicine. Um, And so while we had to tweak that and trade that within the heart of the virus, uh, and and the heart of the disruption, I should say, around the virus, coming out to the other side, uh, a lot of these companies not only have work that's being done uh, uh, due to the virus to offset some of the business that they're losing from the virus disruption, we think the other side is going to be bright for them as well in terms of the amount of funding dollars they get, the amount of investment dollars they get. Uh, so that's one area that we think was just sort of brought forward. Another area is, is in, in, infrastructure, in internet infrastructure and architecture. And again, this is an area we were playing with around, around the edges, um, but an area that we, we sort of brought forward uh, around the virus. Now, some of this, you know, 
look, some of these names uh, are already out of the portfolio because we thought they were solely COVID beneficiaries. The names we've kept have been names that we think are going to have a lasting impact on consumer preference, uh, uh, lasting impact uh, benefiting from consumer preferences uh, and, and their amount of usage. They're going to be using the internet. And uh, so think about data center, think about data center analytics, think about uh, uh, streaming, those types of investments that support that, that infrastructure. On the short side of the portfolio, um, we already had some areas within financials that we were short. And so just take a step back. Why are we short these areas to begin with? Well, there was already tremendous uh, rate pressure globally. So in our view, uh, for a lot of these financial uh, subsectors, their sort of their margin sandbox that they can play in was already shrinking and coming under pressure. Uh, and that was before the pandemic. Uh, then when the pandemic hit, you know, they sort of lost the other leg, leg of their stool, which was in cases of insurance companies, uh, a lot of their asset values started to come under pressure as well. Or think about certain asset managers uh, who were under fee pressure uh, from a lot from, from a lot of the passive management that was going on. Well, now the one thing that was holding them up last year was um, was their AUM benefiting from the market rally. Well, now that started to come under pressure as well. We also dabbled in areas of subprime uh, companies that had balance sheets that were constantly needing capital markets. Um, and as we started to move through March and enter April, you know, when the Fed started to, to, to do uh, a massive, you know, ma massive undertaking in their policy actions, you know, we started to shift some of those positions out. We monetized them, covered them, and started to move more to areas where we thought were going to be under pressure, even if the capital market healing started to take place. Um, so I'm sorry if I rambled a little bit, but I want to just give you a flavor for sort of both sides uh, of how we sort of invested around the, the virus. Yeah, in order to be nimble and move positions and grow the net exposures very quickly, apart from uh, using individual stocks on the long and short size, would you also use some sort of like uh, futures or uh, options on to to move positions quickly? Sure. So, a um, couple points there. Uh, yes, we do. We will use futures if we want to move our net exposure quickly, but they're usually not a big part of the portfolio, and we much prefer. Uh, actively shorting companies. That said, we also will do things like uh, custom-made baskets, where we're sort of picking out a group of stocks that are all very similar traits, putting them on a swap and trading them as a basket on swap. Um, we also have certain uh, stylistic uh, factor swaps that we use if we want to hedge out some of our factor exposure uh, as well. The second part of your question, I think, is a good one on options. And so, this is something that I, I could ramble for hours on it, but I won't. But just suffice it to say, um, we're so long into the recovery since the global financial crisis of 08 that we see situations where a lot of put options, we believe, are not correctly pricing uh, the underlying risk of the companies and the underlying leverage of those companies' balance sheets. And so we've been using these for some time now, more than a year or so where we think the company uh, uh, has is actually a lot more risk in the options market going out far, where you could buy long-dated options as pricing in. And so we've had some of those on uh, uh, in, certain, in certain businesses that we thought were vulnerable, and we took advantage of them, monetized a lot of those options um, as, as volatility spiked. And to be honest, we're, we're starting to put some of those back in now, that volatility's come down, and we still see a lot of question marks uh, out yeah. there, especially some of these companies. 
And earlier on, you mentioned a little bit about uh, using the stylistic swaps or basket of stocks. Can you talk, this, uh, talk us a little bit about uh, what is your, uh, the themes of styles you're using on the long and the short size? Sure. So uh, um, the way we invest, we, we sort of look for businesses that have something about them that enables them to, 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 to do well now into the future something sustainable. And on the short side, we're looking for businesses that are being disrupted, that are no longer resonating on certain demographics, uh, really looking for businesses that are bad and getting worse. And when you have that sort of um, stylistic skew, you're going to have certain, you're going to have a certain bias towards momentum, uh, a little bit of bias towards quality, bias towards growth, negative bias towards certain parts of value, uh, leverage, dividend yield, perhaps. And so we've had those biases all towards our history, all throughout our history. Um, and then the key becomes managing those biases. So looking for when one of those things start to either get too extended one way or the other, or there's something that's changing that's going to make that bias come under pressure for a certain time period. And so we have swaps, whether it's a momentum swap, whether it's a growth over value or value over growth swap, they tend to be zero net in nature, uh, where we can balance our portfolio sort of biases, if you will and react quickly, uh, whether it's just a technical correction or whether we think it's something uh, uh, more long-dated. Well, I think that will be all for today. Thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, thank you, Vito, for this podcast. Um, look out for our next podcast the details in the regular CFUK newsletter or subscribe to CFUK's SoundCloud channel. Find out more at www point cfuk point org slash podcasts thank you thank you very much thank you very much cheers